Never. Never. Well, guys, it's a privilege to uh, be here. And uh, this is an awesome place here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. As I uh, arrived this morning, I walked into the lobby downstairs and uh, registered and started looking through, looking through the packet. And uh, I saw the, the uh, schedule and I saw the title of my speech. And it was uh, completely wrong. So I think it was, uh, it's listed on your, your uh, schedule is don't put all your marbles in one basket. Which is uh, actually opposite of what I wanted to say. And uh, so I'm not even sure what that means, and I'm not sure how the mix-up happened, but I'm pretty confident that Winston Parker was uh, behind that in some way or another. So, <laughs> so the, the real title of my talk is uh, Putting All Your Eggs in One Basket, and I'm going to elaborate on that in a second. Um, but the verse that we're going to be talking about for the next half hour is James 1.22. So let me uh, go ahead and read through that, and then we'll pray. So if you guys will follow along in in your Bibles, James 1, I'm going to read uh, chapter 1, 22 through uh, through 25 in James. He says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself... And gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Guys, let's pray. Father, I'm just so thankful tonight for uh, this group of men who have come here uh, this weekend with the intent of knowing you more. And I just pray that you would do a work in each man's life uh, through the speeches, through the workshops, through the through our conversations, through the relationships that are built this weekend. I just pray that you would uh, change each of us through those things. Father, we're just so excited this weekend about having our minds challenged and, uh, and going back home and, and being changed. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. So James says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So the topic for us today is, uh, is becoming doers of the word. And not only becoming doers ourselves, but uh, I've been asked to, to talk about it in the sense of, of helping those around us impacting the Christians around us into uh, to becoming doers of the word as well. So you guys, you know, it's hard enough in our own lives to become obedient to the word of God. And uh, certainly it's not any easier trying to convince another Christian to, to do the same. But that's the question for us today. So what we're going to talk about is uh, how do I impact another man to become more obedient to the word of God? How do I affect another man's behavior? Uh, how do I help another man become surrendered, uh, surrender his own will, and take on the will of God? Um, so as I, as I was, uh, that sounds better. Thanks. Um, 
So we all know that how a man thinks affects how a man acts. And so as, as I was mulling over these questions in my mind, I became convinced that to affect a man's actions, you must affect how he thinks. And so what I, see, I would uh, suggest to you guys tonight that affecting a man's actions, it starts with uh, Romans 12.2. It starts with the talk we just heard. It starts with transforming his mind. Um, I must be fully convinced in my own mind of why it's important, why it's in my own best interest to become a doer of the word. And it's for these same reasons that I pass along to the disciple. So what I want to do tonight is uh, spend some time defining what I mean by becoming a doer of the word. Then I want to give you guys four uh, reasons, or four ways, that, four reasons that you can pass on uh, to the disciple or to the the other believer as you interact with him to convince him that uh, to to become a doer of the word. Before I go on, I just want to uh, emphasize the importance of this issue. Um, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter three, there there will be a day when each man's work will. Uh, will go through the fire, and that fire will test the quality of each man's work. Some men's work will be burned up, and they'll suffer loss. And some men, as the work goes through the fire, it will remain, and those men will gain reward in eternity. Uh, so some men, they build their foundation on gold, silver, and precious metal, and some men, their foundation is wood, hay, and straw. So as we uh, think about things in our life that are important to us, things that we want to invest our life in, things that will uh, will give us eternal reward, that's we have to think about these issues. What what is important for me to invest my life in? And uh, it seems to me that to the degree that we impact people around us to become more uh, obedient to the Word of God ultimately to become more confirmed, conformed to uh, the image of Jesus Christ. To the degree that we do that, we accrue treasure in heaven. And so I think it's a very, very uh, important issue and something that all of us here should be very motivated to, uh, to do. So let me define what I mean by uh, becoming a doer of the word. As I uh, contemplated the words do and hear in my mind, I... Uh, realize that to do is active and to hear is passive. So the hearer, he takes in all the information found in Scripture, he processes it in his mind, and uh, he forms some conclusion. But it doesn't really matter what conclusion he draws because no change takes place in his life. He's no different uh, before Revelation than he is afterwards. But the doer, on the other hand, he takes in all the information found in Scripture, and he says to himself, if this is true, then this is important. He reads the Bible from start to finish, and he, he uh, sees the amazing claims that God makes about himself and all the claims that Jesus makes about himself. He realizes that the Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he turned water into wine, that he walked on water, that he rose a, a man from the dead, that he himself died on a cross and, and rose three days later. And Jesus, he said that if you want to know the Father, if you want to know eternal life, then you have to come through me. 
And if you believe in me, then I will give you eternal life. So the, the doer, he, he looks at all those claims, and he says to himself, if that's true, then that changes everything. And he says, if that's true, how am I supposed to live my life? What does God require of me? What does he want my life to look at? What does he want me to do, and what doesn't he want me to do? And, uh, and then he takes it one step further. He counts the costs. And he realizes that the costs are very high. He realizes that the, the word promises that he will be persecuted. He realizes that, uh, that every important relationship in our life is fair game to God. He says, your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your sisters, your wives, your children, all these things, God can take them away at any moment. God says, don't, don't love these people more than you love me. He realizes that God wants him to be a stranger and an alien as he walks through his life on this earth, never being comfortable in his life here. And not only that, guys, not only that, but Matthew, in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, um, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he asks even his own life. Guys, is it worth it to be a doer? Is it worth even your own life? The doer, he looks at these costs, and he says, yeah, absolutely it's worth it. He says, he realizes, or he believes God when God says that he's going to make it up to him. He believes the word when it says that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so he gives his life away. He obeys God, and he becomes a doer. He says, I'm all in. He puts all his eggs in one basket. He, uh, it's a huge gamble, guys. But the important thing is, do you really believe that it's worth it? If you're wrong, then you lose everything. It's the worst decision you'll ever make. But if you're right, if you're right, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Guys, if you're right, then it's jackpot. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. There's a lot of hearers out there. Hearers are a dime a dozen. They've got one foot in the world, and they've got one foot in their Christian lives. If you're looking for them, you can find them in the pews on Sunday mornings, a lot of times. James says that they delude themselves. So guys, do not be a forgetful hearer. Count the cost, and if you don't think it's worth it, then don't do it. Don't play the game. It's not worth it. But if you want to take God at his word, if you want to believe that the Bible's true, then say, God, I'm all in. Become a doer. So I want to give you uh, four reasons that we can convince the, the disciple or the, the Christians around us that it's, uh, it's in their best interest to become a doer. But before I do that, I just want to point out a couple of obvious things. I kind of go without saying, but um, I want to just say a quick word about him anyway. Number one is that we don't change a man. It's only the Holy Spirit 
that can uh, affect the way a man thinks and affect the way a man acts. And if you really, really are serious about changing the way a man acts, even more important than interacting with him and transforming his mind is, uh, is praying for him. It's far, far and away the best thing that you can do. And it's hard because we don't realize how, we don't see the results a lot of times, we don't realize how important it is. But I think it's uh, far and away the most important thing that we can do uh, to affect a man's behavior. And the second thing is, uh, is uh, to be a doer yourself. If you want to influence a man to become a doer, you better make sure that you are a doer yourself. Examine yourself. Be who you want to be. Lead by example. If a man has any inclination towards becoming a doer, as you meet this man and interact with him and, and uh, form a relationship with him, if he sees in you what he wants to become, then he's going to latch on to you. Make sure that your life is salt. Jesus says in the Gospels that you are the salt of the earth. So live a life that will attract those who want to be doers of the word themselves. Jim Elliott once said, a lot of you guys probably know who Jim Elliott is. He was uh, one of my heroes. He was a missionary to Ecuador back in the 1950s, and he was martyred by the tribe of Indians that he was uh, witnessing to. And his story has been told and retold. But um, he has a quote that I love. He says, Lord, make me a crisis man. Let me not be a milepost on a single road, but make me a fork that men must turn one way or another in facing Christ in me. Guys, I love that so much. And the point is, make sure that your life is salt. If you live that way, a lot of guys are going to turn away from you. I'm sure a lot of you guys know that from experience. But there are going to be a few that latch on to you. And uh, that it's worth it. So if you're not a doer, I don't have to tell you that you will not have much influence on the, on the guys in your life that want to become <coughs> doers themselves. So examine yourself. So, uh, four ways, or four, four reasons to give the, the fellow believer. Number one, being a doer equals believing God. As you interact with a disciple, find out from him why it's important to have the word of our God indwell in you. Why is it important to have the word transform who you are? Is it enough just to say that you're a Christian, to show up to church on Sundays, and not worry too much about the rules of Christianity? Guys, I grew up in an evangelical Christian church. The church I grew up in, it was just really in vogue to say, it was very popular to say, that Christianity is not about the rules, it's about the relationship. Of course, I believe that. But I think I, I believe it today in a very different sense than I did then. And what I mean by that is that in the church I grew up in, I don't know if it was explicitly taught, but I sure got the impression, and I know others around me did too, that if you just walk down the aisle uh, during the decision time at the end of the sermon, and you said the prayer, and you got baptized, and that was it. It was game over. You were you had put God in a box. He had no choice but to let you into heaven. 
No matter what you did after that, you had a get into heaven free card. And so you were golden. And so I watched the guys that I grew up with. The guys that, you know, the other guys in my youth group. I watched them go out and do some of the most rebellious and just reviling things. And uh, things that even my non-believing friends would have never been comfortable doing. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, something here is completely wrong. Because they, they felt like they could do whatever they wanted. And all that matters was they said that they believed in God. And they believed that Jesus Christ was his son. And so they, could, they were going to heaven. It didn't matter. I know for some of you guys that hits home, some of you guys, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But that was my experience. But the point I want to make is that even though I still very much believe today that, uh, that Christianity is about a relationship with your Father and with your Creator, I, of course I believe that. But as I've, I've grown through the years, I've come to the realization that believing is doing. Anybody can claim to be a believer, but if you want evidence that you are in fact a believer, look no further than your obedience. I heard it said once that uh, you only believe as much of the Bible as you obey. I think that's very, very true. The man who says he believes, but he does not obey, he does two things. He deceives himself, and he calls God a liar. He calls God a liar because God tells him, I want you to act this way. This is in your best interest. I promise you. And then he, he goes and he does, he says, God, I, I don't think you're, you're saying the truth. I, I'm going to go live the way I want to live. I think I know what's best for me. So guys, as you work these issues out in your mind, as you interact with, with, your, uh, with uh, disciples on these issues, ask some questions. Do I really want God to be Lord of my life? Do I really think that he knows what's best for me infinitely more than I know what's best for myself? Do I really believe that he has my best interests at heart? Because if God is truly in control, as his word says that he is, and if he truly loves me, again, as his word claims that he does, then it's a no-brainer. And of course we want to be doers. We'd be idiots not to. Guys, I know it's hard to keep that in focus. It's a daily struggle. At least for me it is. Our our flesh gets in the way. And uh, daily we find ourselves falling short of what we want to be. But the point is, is that we do struggle with it. The point is, is that when you... You fall, you get back up again, you dust yourself off, and you ask God for forgiveness. And you come to him with brokenness and dependence, and you tell him, God, I don't want my will, I want your will. Guys, spend your life telling God that you believe in him and beg him that your will is done. Begging that his will is done in your life. So obedience equals faith. If you believe, you will obey. So the second reason to, uh, to tell the disciple is that being a doer equals loving God. 
In the Gospels, Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. He says this is the great and foremost commandment. He says the whole law and prophets depend on it. Guys, that's pretty important. So what does it mean to love God? What does that look like in our lives? I would suggest to you guys that John, in his writings, in the Gospel and in his epistles, he explains very, very clearly what this means. Let me read to you uh, three verses from John. One from the Gospel, one from uh, 1 John, one from 2 John. In uh, John 14, 21... It says, he who has my commandments is the, one who keep, who, uh, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So did you catch that? He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. In uh, 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Second John, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Guys, to love God is to obey his commands. It's very popular these days to say that, to say that we love God. I hear it all the time among my Christian friends. You can't walk through a church or a Bible study without hearing somebody say that all that's important is that we love God. God, guys, I totally believe that. Of course, that's all that's important. But the follower of Christ who is serious about loving God is going to be serious about obeying his commands. The effectual doer is the lover of God. And the lover of God is the effectual doer. So third, uh, third reason. Being a doer equals knowing God. When it comes down to it, the purpose of the Christian life is to know God more. There's nothing else of value in the Christian's life than to know his Father more. Everything else pales in comparison. And everything else is rubbish. And God says that he reveals himself to those who obey him. I want to read to you the verse I just read, John fourteen twenty one. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by the Father. And I will love him and disclose myself to him. So if you obey his commandments, Jesus said that he's going to disclose himself to you. And one more verse from John, John 7, 17. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. So again, if you're willing to do the will of God, if you want to obey him, then he's going to disclose himself to you. So guys, if you want to know God more, if you want him to reveal himself to you, then say, God, I'm willing to be a doer. I'm willing no matter what the cost. I'm willing no matter what you throw in my life, no matter what you want to take away from me. I'm willing to do your will. And uh, finally, the fourth thing that we can uh, 
tell the, tell the uh, believer, the disciple, as we interact with him, to uh, transform his mind so that he becomes a doer of the word, is that being a doer equals being rewarded by God. So it's important to press upon the disciple that there is a motivation for being a doer. God is a God who rewards. God makes it abundantly clear in Scripture that he's going to, that for those who follow him and for those who sacrifice for him, that he's going to make it up to him. If you want to become an effectual doer, you have to have it firmly in focus that your life is not about accruing temporal gain. You're not about going and finding the things that are important in this world and, uh, and gathering those things. For the effectual doer, his life is about accruing treasure in heaven, no matter what his life on this, uh, on this earth looks like. So, he's got the temporal and the eternal in focus. He knows that he's investing his life into something that's so much better than what's on this earth. He's investing it on something that's not going to perish, and that moth or rust is not going to destroy. God says over and over in his word that he's going to repay each person according to their deeds, according to their work. There will be a day that uh, the work of your lives is going to go through the fire. Now, guys, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. So as you interact with the disciple, it's important to communicate the biblical truth that our actions matter. This isn't just a game we're playing. This isn't a dress rehearsal. The things that we do on this life there's going to be consequence in eternity for the way that we act. And guys, becoming a, a doer of the word is tough. Make no mistake about it. That's why Jesus says that the, the gate is narrow that leads to life, and there's very few that enter it. It's a lot easier to be a forgetful hearer. But God promises that he's going to make it up to us more than we can ever imagine. And guys, if we don't fully understand this, then our walk with Jesus is going to be handicapped. And we do the disciple a disservice if we don't communicate this to him. I'd like to uh, just close now with uh, an illustration for you on this last point. Um, there's a couple of guys in my life that I've latched on to over the last few years that have discipled me. And uh, early in my relationship with these guys, they made it real clear to me that it was for their gain that they were meeting with me, and they were spending time with me. So these, these were busy guys who were giving up big portions of their day just to sp spend some time with me to talk about the Bible, talk about spiritual things. And it, it blew me away. That, uh, that they said it was for their gain. At the end of our time together, they would thank me for that time. And, and that, I didn't understand it. They said they were indebted to me for that time. And that, that just, uh, that was bizarre to me. It blew me away. It flew in the face of uh, basically every, certainly everything the, the world believes. 
And even my own Christian upbringing, it just it didn't register for me. But guys, uh, it, and it, it made me real uncomfortable at first, but as I thought more and more about that, I realized not only were they on solid ground biblically, but it was uh, it made for a secure relationship as you can be in. And what I mean by that is that uh, I realized that they weren't after uh, anything for me. They were after their own eternal reward and nothing temporal. When they said they wanted to serve me, they truly meant it. When they said, is there anything I can do for you, they truly meant it. I knew there was no strings attached. Uh, I knew there was nothing that they wanted in return for me. I knew there were no expectations. I could allow these men to serve me and not worry about what I could give back to them. Their reward was in heaven. And uh, in my, their relationship with me, I, there was nothing really that I could provide for them. But to the degree that they served me, they uh, accrued treasure in heaven. And so as I thought about that and as our relationship grew, I just thought that is about, that's the most secure relationship that you can have with a person when you realize that their focus is on the eternal. So guys, as you meet with other Christian men around you, with disciples or other believers, make it clear to them that it's game for you to serve them. Make sure that point is, uh, is communicated very, very clearly. Well, guys, thanks uh, for allowing me to talk. That's all I got. Thanks.